So hey, we're in a series called Completely His. Completely His. Not, uh, not partially His. Not mostly His. Not pretty much all, but completely His. And uh, so last week we talked about what it means to depend on Him. To have a prayer time of pleading and, and of posture. Everything in place that says, God, you're in charge and I'm leaning on you. Depending on Him. Okay, And this week we're going to start into a, a four-week session now of what it means to be a complete disciple. And, and so if you've been through our peak, uh, peak performance, you know these names, but uh, we talk about worship and walk and work and witness, right? And so worship is knowing and adoring Him. It means to be able to spend time not knowing about Him, but knowing Him. And then being able to cherish Him and love Him and thank Him for who He is, spending time with Him, worship. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And, and walk, growing to be like Him. Work, serving Him within the church walls, right? Within the church, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, Ephesians 4. And, uh, and then witness is going out beyond the church walls and bringing an unbeliever to an understanding of who Christ is. Worship, walk, work, and witness. It's not a buffet table. Where we say, which of those W's do I like? Which ones will I go after? It's all four, all on fire in you. That's the goal. I'll take a little bit of each, please, Lord. All four on fire in me, all right? And so how do I get each of these built up in my life? That's what we're looking for. So today we're looking at true worship. Uh, what does it mean to be truly on fire for Jesus Christ and worshiping Him with all we have, all right? Turn with me, if you will, to Job chapter 1. And let's answer that question. Job chapter 1. And uh, we've got the ushers coming forward with Bibles. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. They will get one to you. And uh, we will walk through Job 1 pretty much verse by verse here, all right? So just raise your hand. The ushers will get a Bible to you. True worship. Now, the story of Job, we all kind of have probably heard pieces of the story, but uh, let me just tell you Job chapter 1 in story form right here, all right? Uh, there was a man... His name was Job. Uh, real story, not made up. And, and this guy lived at a time period where people who worshipped God uh, and got God were blessed big time by him. And, and Job totally loved the Lord with all he had. And God blessed upon him with all he had. He had uh, many kids, seven sons, three daughters. And, and he had tons of animals and wealth and property and God was just pouring it on him. This is a man after my own heart. And he was blessing him like crazy. Job so loved God Almighty that every aspect of his life was centered around God. And he made sure that there was a cleanliness. A cleanliness is in his own heart. A cleanliness in his family's heart. He stood in the gap for them. He longed for them. And in fact, as his kids had parties of all sorts, and, and specifically birthday parties to be exact, when they would call together family gatherings and, and the wine would maybe start running because, well, because we all know the water was close to poisonous at times there, and, and they drank wine, and, and there was times where they drank wine to excess, Job would take time to stand in the gap for his family and make sure there were offerings consecrated over them that they could be forgiven Lord, may this family stand pure before you. That's Job and his heart for God Almighty. Job. Well, it turns out that uh, Satan, uh, well, he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. And uh, Satan one day approached God Almighty in the throne. And he had something to challenge him. He said, 
I've been going back and forth and, and, and I've been moving around in it and God basically saying, well, have you looked at my, my servant, Job? Have you looked at him? Yeah. Yeah, I have looked at him. But let me tell you something. I can't touch him. And so what difference does it make? His worship is based on what you do to bless him. And I'm not even allowed to get near him. And, and so forget it. It's not even on the table to talk about. And who is, who is Satan to talk to God Almighty like that? You know what I mean? God said, I'll tell you what. I will open up my sovereign hand and allow. I will allow you to touch his possessions. Not him, disallow there, but his possessions you can touch. Satan immediately rushed out of the room, out of the very presence of God Almighty. Can you imagine? You're standing in the presence of God and you rush out to bring destruction to someone. How sick is the heart of Satan Almighty? He stands over us with the little A Almighty. God of this world, thinking he's in charge, he has nothing but what God says, I'll allow. All right? Satan rushes out and brings everything he can to bear on Job. Everything he can do to touch a possession. Job loses every single thing he has. And as they come in one by one, the timing is ridiculous. One servant after another. And while he's hearing from the one servant, he hears from the next. And they come in first. And, and you've lost your oxen. And you've lost your sheep. And you've lost your camels. And then the last one comes in. And you, you, your sons and your daughters... Can you imagine the sinking feeling as Job had the approach of a servant saying, you've lost your children. Ten children are gone in a giant windstorm. Job in that moment, he stood up, and he walked out, and the door is closed. And he looked upward and he shaved his head. And he fell on the ground and he worshipped. That's what the scripture says. He worshipped. Are you kidding me? It says, in fact, he says, I came into this world naked and naked I will leave. And, and the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Nothing will take my eyes off of worshipping him worship like all in sold out no distraction worship that's what we're talking about today all right so let's take a look here what does worship look like first point worship looks like it's uh it's clean true worship believes confesses and repents true worship believes confesses and repents let's just start in chapter 1 verse 1 here there was a man in the land of Uz, cool name for a town, huh? In the land of Uz, whose name was Job. Uh, yes, he is a real guy. Is this a real story or not? I think it may be made up. I heard that once somewhere. Where did I hear that? I'm not even sure where I heard that. Uh, no, true guy. How do you know, Tim? Ezekiel 14:14. 14, 14. He says, let me tell you some great men that you might want to consider. And uh, Noah and Daniel and Job. Listed by Ezekiel. Uh, James 5.11. He challenges us to have the patience of Job. 
yes, he's a real, real person, really existed, and God really calls us to learn from him. It says, a man who was blameless and upright, one who feared God, turned away from evil. Blameless and upright. Uh, this does not mean perfect. All right? we, we almost come close to that. We're like, blameless and upright, like you never did anything wrong. And that's not what it means. It means he absolutely lived his life in honor of God and, and in perfection. And, and when he wasn't perfect, he then got it covered. Are you hearing me? Blameless and upright means uh, living it right and where you live it wrong, confessing it and getting it covered. Blameless. That's what it means. And Job lived that kind of life. He lived it real. He lived it strong. He lived it sold out. And where there was sin, he said, Lord, please forgive me. And, and I want this covered. Blameless. Lord, may you truly be celebrated in my life. And how often do we try to live our lives blameless? Make sure you go after that goal. Living it right. And where you find out it's wrong, confess it. Apologize. Get it covered. Lord, please forgive me and move on. Make sure there's not a brick wall being built between you and God. I just wrote these down too. Job as a, what kind of blameless and upright man? Listen to this from Job 29. Highly respected, verses 7 through 11. Uh, a fair and honest judge, verses 12 through 17. A wise counselor, 21 through 24. And a great employer in chapter 31, verses 13 to 15. Hospitable and generous, then 16 to 21. He was a great guy. Like you'd like him. If you met him, you'd want to work for him. You'd want to hang out with him. Job had his act together. And God was happy with him. And a lot of people loved being with him. Job, he was clean. He was doing what was right. And he was covered by the blood. The blood of lambs here, but in a trust of God. And a great example for us as we go forward now under the blood of Jesus Christ. Notice it says, he feared God and he turned from evil. He was aware of God's greatness and his majesty. He revered him and he submitted to his kingship. Job let God lead. Job trusted him. He was blessed by God. Look at his blessings here. It says he had uh, seven sons, uh, three daughters. Some of you are like, ten kids? That's a blessing? Yeah, that's a blessing. Seven sons, three daughters. Uh, he possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen. There were two oxen to a yoke, so that's like 1,000 oxen, all right? And 500 female donkeys and very many servants. Not many servants, very many servants, right? So that this man was the greatest of all the people in the east. The people of the east, that was a phrase used in Jeremiah 49:24. It referred to this like kind of northern Arabia area. And so like in all of Arabia... In all of that Middle Eastern area, Job was considered the greatest. The greatest because of possessions. The greatest because of wisdom. The greatest because God blessed him like crazy. That's who Job was. Notice it says that his kids, his sons, used to go and hold a feast in the house. Each one on his day. Uh, most likely that means on their birthday. All right? uh, they had a family gathering. They would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of the feast had run their course, Job would then send and, and consecrate them. They would have a family gathering. Uh, you know, 
Like when it's somebody's birthday or it comes near Thanksgiving and you get the phone call and you find out where your whole family's getting together. We have like 45 people that get together up in DeKalb. And, uh, and so we all get together at my aunt's house and it's catching up on what's going on and hearing some stories from people and eating as much food as you can in an hour and a half. I don't know why we do that. And then every year you walk out, you're like, oh, I ate too much. Is that like the goofiest statement? Have you not learned over 20 years of family parties that, right? And, uh, but it, it's about having a good time together and learning together and laughing together and spending time together. And they were doing that. They were having a family party on their birthday. They were a normal, healthy family. Uh, Job was worried for them, though. It says, um, Job would consecrate them. He would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned. Or they may have cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did this continually. Job, he worried about uh, his self being clean before God. He worried about his family being clean. He protected them. He stood in the gap for them. In fact, it was really common for fathers of this time period to act like the priest, standing in the gap for their family before God Almighty and representing God to them and representing them to God. Okay? And so this is what it looks like to take care of them and and that's what he was doing there. Uh, sacrificing that their sins might be covered. Job saying, it matters. I am telling you, when we read these kinds of passages, um, we look at them and we start thinking, so what should I do to be like Job? Right? Our first question is, how can I be like the hero? And uh, that's a great question on the one hand. We are called to learn from these guys. Be careful though. Because one of the messages we're supposed to hear in this is not, Job is great, be like him. In fact, Job is kind of a, they call it a type, a literary type. He's reflecting forward as to who Christ will be. Now go back and listen to the terms. He is blameless and upright. He fears God. He is blessed among all men. He stands in the gap for those in sin, and he offers up sin for them. You hearing it? Jesus Christ being reflected in Job. What an amazing gift that these guys had to see what Jesus would be like by looking at their father. You know what I'm saying? God at work in and through these guys. Jesus, blameless. He was more than forgiven though. He was perfect. He lived a perfect life. God Almighty, clothing himself in the flesh, coming to this place, for you and for me, living a life of mistreatment and misunderstanding so that our sin could be covered. What an almighty priest we have in Jesus Christ. What a great king and savior. You know, I, I just want to say it this way. It means covered, right? That's what it means to truly worship. Well, how do we best reflect that in words? And you've heard me say this before, three words that best cover it. Him for me, right? Him for me. Like, how do we best explain to somebody the gospel? They come up to you and they're like, hey, I don't understand this Jesus thing. Help me out. You're like, three words. Him for me. All right? Be ready to say that. And they're like, well, what does that mean? It means Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, his shed blood pays the payment I owe. And my sin comes with a cost, eternally separated from him. But Jesus paid that for me, him for me, all right? You're like, well, does God really take sin seriously? Is it really that big a deal? Well, check this out. God has two 
solutions for sin. Jesus' death or hell. Like That's it. There's no, uh, I'll earn it, I'll, I'll try a bunch of other ways, maybe after I've died once I'll get a chance to come back. And like, what are all these solutions? Made up is what they are. God has two solutions in his character. And one is, my son Jesus Christ, love him with all you got, and let his shed blood cover you. And the other is, or cover it yourself. Separation from me for eternity. That's what hell is. Those two solutions. And so the question is, where do we stand? Where are you at? Have you trusted in Christ as your personal Savior? Do you understand who He is? And are you leaning on Him and letting Him cover your sin? It doesn't look like this. It's not, fine, if you want to cover it, go ahead. That's not it. It's, Lord, I want to make you my God. I confess you as my Lord, Romans 10, 9, and 10, right? And so we say it's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C. Admit that you're a sinner. And then believe that Jesus is God. That He is risen from the dead. He's alive as King of the universe. Believe. And then C, confess Him as your Lord. That's saved. Are you covered and cleansed? Have you confessed Jesus like Job had? Are you willing to be with God Almighty and have a relationship with Him? Man, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, now's the time. Today's the day to just say, Lord, I want to be covered. I want to know you as my Savior. I'm ready to declare you as Lord and be done battling it myself. I want to be done doing it myself. May you be in charge. That's what it looks like to worship Him being cleansed. All right. Hey, we can talk about loving Jesus, but if everything is about running off and doing whatever sin I want to do, well, that's not really where it's at. Like being done with the sin and turning from it and running towards him with all you've got, his shed blood covering you. Are you covered? You might be like, yeah, I've trusted in Jesus. Are you living like it on a daily basis? Notice what it says. And Job did this. How often? continually. Lord, let me live like you are my saving king. Get there fast and live there forever with Jesus Christ. True worship starts with cleanness, all right? Second, true worship, confident. True worship is not just clean, it's confident. True worship trusts in God's sovereign hand. Trusts in God's sovereign hand. Tough passage here, but we get a lot of insight to God and what's going on in this world. It says, verse 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God, that phrase put together means angels. All right? Sons of God. Ben Elohim. That's what the phrase is in the Hebrew. It means sons of the Almighty, powerful King. Uh, Angels. And so these uh, very strong, serving, loving angels of God, if you want to say it this way, the good angels. How do we know that? It says they came to present themselves before him. Okay, so they're coming before him and saying, Lord, here's what I've been about. And this is what I've been seeing and learning. And that's what the angels are doing. That's what little insight to what goes on with the angelic life. As they're now before God and sharing what they've seen and what they've been about. And God gives them direction in the future. Uh, it says, and Satan came along with them. You're kidding me. 
Satan has access to heaven? How is this possible? Are we sure it's even true? Did you know that Revelation 12.10 also says the same thing, that Satan has access to the Almighty's? For whatever reason, God says, I'm going to allow him into my presence repeatedly. There's something going on. There's something God's choosing to teach in it. I have no idea what it is. Uh, But that's what God's choosing to do, and he's letting it happen. He's interacting with him. Satan comes before him, and the Lord says, From where have you come? That's the best God voice I have. I don't know. I have no idea what God sounded like, but he said, From where have you come? And uh, trust me, God wasn't like, Oh, Satan, hey, where have you been? That's not what this means. This is like, So? Where have you come from? Remember, Satan left the presence of God Almighty. He left the glory of the king of the universe. And God's like, so, where have you come from? This is a little bit of a calling out at the moment. Now, some of you might remember, but last week we talked about a verse, Second Chronicles 16.9. Uh, this verse, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Do you remember that? The eyes of the Lord moving to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. That's what God does, and trust me, the angels knew it. As God looks out over, and he goes like this. This is how long it takes God to get a whole summation of the the universe. Got it. The Lord looking to and fro. Got it. I, I see what's going on everywhere, all at once, and I know exactly what's happening. And he's seeking to do what? To strongly support. That's God's interaction. Now listen to Satan's answer. Uh, Where were you? Satan. I was going to and fro on the earth. Are you hearing it? Are you hearing the similarity in that answer? Need a little head nod if you're with me. Are you hearing that? Big deal, right? God is the one who goes to and fro on the earth. And what does Satan say? I will be like the Most High. That's what he says. I was going to and fro on the earth. You think you do? I do too. I was going to and fro on the earth. Little difference. Walking up and down on it. See what I mean? Singular being, got to cover a lot of ground. God all in one fell swoop. As the awesome, all present God everywhere. Major difference. Nothing but a created being, crying out with all he has, fist shaking, I will be like you. So he wanders around to and fro and somehow thinks that's the same. Right? Satan. It says, I was walking back and forth in it. The Lord says to him, have you considered my servant Job? Okay, what? What is he talking about? How did he even know to say that? I'll tell you why. First Peter 5, Satan walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. What does God do? He looks around seeking whom he might build up. Satan walks around seeking whom he might eat up. Are you hearing it? That's what the difference is. And God knows it. So when he says, hey, my thing, I'm walking around. And God's like, yeah, clearly trying to eat someone alive. Have you looked at Job? He knows exactly where his heart is. Have you looked at Job? There is none other like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? 
All right. Let me tell you something. All too often we shake our fists at God because things aren't going the way we want. If you want to shake a fist at someone, here's the being to shake your fist at. Satan. His accusation before God was this. He worships you because of what you bless him with. He worships for profit. That's why he's worshiping you, because it's working out for him. And if it wasn't working out for him, uh uh-uh, no. He would not be worshiping you. And in fact, look what it says here. Satan says, does he worship you for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him? Like, I can't touch him. And his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. The accusation of Satan before God Almighty. Man, you guys need to get this clear today. Worship. It is an all-out spiritual war. And your heart is being battled for. And Satan is looking to take you down with all he's got like a roaring lion. His challenge is, I will make them worship for profit. I will make them be upset and sad and sorry if it doesn't go exactly their way. My strength is if they're going to worship you, at least they're going to worship you with fist clenched. That's my goal. I will ruin your worship. That's what I'm going to do. Are you hearing it? Get ready. Get angry. Your worship's being toyed with. Are you hearing me? God, may I worship you sold out. That's where I need to be. The Lord said to him, the Lord said to him, just remember, we talked about God's sovereignty. God moves, God allows, and God disallows. God's sovereign hand, right? He moves, He allows and he disallows. Now watch this. He's moved. He's blessed in a myriad of ways, right? He allows. Behold, all that he has is now in your hand. He has just allowed the possessions and the relationships of Job to be in the very hand of Satan. Only or but against him do not stretch out your hand. Disallow. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. You notice that? So Satan didn't stand there and go, oh, well, okay, great. So anyway, just want to chit-chat a little more. Just wondering what your thoughts are on this God and a few other things. Right? That's not where he is at all. As soon as he has permission to sift, he's off. I'm telling you that hedge has been found because Satan tried to take this man and his worship down. And the hedge of God's hand of protection would not allow it. Nothing can touch you or your blessings. That's what he was saying. And Satan's like, yeah, sure, but you wouldn't let me have my way with him. God goes, I allow. I allow a touch of your possessions. And that's it. Of him, no. Of his stuff and of his family, yes. Allow, disallow, and move. God's sovereign hand so displayed in Job chapter 1. It's amazing. God has such purpose in allowing things. 
And we're going to see, uh, it happens way later in Job, not in chapter 1 like we're going to look at today, but uh, you see Job getting to his end. God brings us to a point where we come face to face with the broken part of us, and it needs to change. Okay, It's part of what God's doing when he allows. When he allows things into our life, he's saying, work with me now. Remember, God moves to and fro, seeking whom he can build up. His goal is bringing you up. He's going to teach you, and he's going to change you, and he's going to shape you. And some of the stuff we go through, as much as it hurts, God has a purpose. Trust him. Let him work. But you don't know what I'm going through, Tim. And you're right on that. I don't know. But I'm telling you, some of the hardest stuff we face is because God is saying, I am choosing to allow this little bit. Just hang on. Now work with me. Let my glory change you from one degree of glory to the next. I'm going to pour over you in that. You're not alone in that. Whatever you're going through, I'm right there with you. Now long for me. Need me because I'm going to pour into your life. That's God at work in us. Such a purpose. To work in you and to work in the ones around you. Okay? And, And it's amazing what God does. Satan went out from the presence of the Lord immediately with a goal. The hedge is removed. Destroy the man. Take him out. I'm telling you, we have to have confidence in the sovereign hand of God. We must trust that when he allows, it is for an absolute purpose of growing us and building us up, of loving on us, of bringing us to the end of self in that area. And so he opens it up a little bit. And sometimes the stuff that touches us in this broken world is deep and it's dark. And I'm not claiming to have an answer in the moment other than I will be there with you and I will cry with you through it. That's all I got. I'm telling you, God's got plan. Let's let him work. Worship the man, Jesus Christ who is also God. Worship God Almighty, who works from the heavens and pours down into our life. Let God work. Confidence. Listen, um, last week we talked about the church in the central Illinois area and a little bit of the struggle we have with legalism around here, right? Another little bit of an issue we have in the area. We love to celebrate blessing. Uh, And the lack of blessing makes us quickly close our fist. And why isn't God blessing me on this? And how could you not have? Uh, And even worse, when it starts to turn to a little bit of pain, a lack of blessing, that's one thing. But then you bring pain? Are you kidding me? Right, and that's our worship style. I believe Jesus wants me to be real with him. Have you heard that before? Have you heard that before? I'm seeing a few heads nod. Look, I'm all for real. Watch yourself. Know who you're talking to. And and as we are real with God, let's be very careful that at the same time we're real with us. You know what I'm saying? If we're going to shake a fist at the one who is actually clean on this thing, and then the one who's not, we're like, and you get a pass. 
Like, what is that? Be careful. Our worship is not clean. Our worship is tainted. And God tolerates that. He works with us in that and he brings us along in that and he grows us up in that. Man, the church today, right now, we are sold out centered on worship for profit. Are you hearing me? I will worship you and you will bless me. And if you don't, I hold back a little bit. Seriously? Like we're going to teach God something. Maybe this is a moment where we need to be like, God, what do you want to teach me? School me right now. I'm ready to hear it. I don't want my worship stolen away. And I'm telling you, Satan is whispering. The pit of hell is stealing your worship away. Do not give it up cheap. Get on your knees with all you've got, no matter what the circumstances, and raise up to him and say, Lord, I'm yours. Worship. Like I'm talking all out, all in, will not be distracted. Worship of your almighty. Uh, Two weeks ago I told you we went skiing and uh, we had a great time skiing and a little icy and I had a wipeout. Only one. It was a bad enough one. Uh, So I've been limping and uh, wincing for about two weeks now. I thought I broke my hand. So there was a like 5,000 times where I said to the family, I think I broke it. And then later, oh no, it's fine. And then later on, no, think I broke it. Right? Have you gone to the doctor yet? I will on Monday. So it's a lot better now actually, but I'm still going. That's my fault. I've held on way too long. Uh, so I came out to the truck, and I couldn't drive at that point still. I was still hurting to pull uh, with my left hand and my rib, and my I won't go on and on there. So I opened up the door of the truck, and, uh, and the van was sitting in the garage there next to it, and I'm trying not to let it bang. And so the door uh, pinched my pointer finger between the door and the mirror, okay? Hard. And so at that point, I said, oh, come on. Like somehow that was it for me. I don't know. Like that's all I had. You can hurt the left side of me, but the pointer finger on my right hand. Oh, come on. Like that's when my worship gave it up. And I'm like, seriously. And here I am in the garage. You got to picture it. Oh, come on. This is ridiculous. I can't get in the truck. My pointer finger hurts. And, and now my worship's in jeopardy. And, uh, and then I started laughing at myself. Wow, I'm weak. This is ridiculous. I've got to get it together here. So now I'm shaking it off. She didn't, I don't even know if you saw this happen. So I climb in the truck and I shut the door. And now I'm sitting in there trying to put on a seatbelt without using my pointer finger or my left hand or my entire left side. And I'm doing this. And I finally get it clipped and I'm like, I need to work on my worship. And... Uh, And then God gave me the next two weeks of passages as we've been working through them here. Uh, It's amazing how we set that up in the summer to be working through this and God sets up circumstance to walk you through what you need to hear. Do you know what I'm saying? Let him work. And I'm telling you, Tim, that's a lame example. It's a pointer finger. You don't know what I'm going through. Yeah. We'll talk about that in just a second in the third point. All right. Um, So the challenge, simply this. Are you ready? Are you ready to worship Him with confidence? 
Are you ready to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you, and I know your sovereign hand is at work. And I don't get it all, but you've got my worship. I want to know you deeper, and I want to thank you and appreciate you and cherish you with all I've got. May my prayer time be on fire as I tell you how awesome you are and learn from you on my knees, on fire, that God might have his way with my heart like never before, like never before. Worship. That's what it looks like. All right, so clean, confident, and the last one is committed. Committed. True worship lifts up God despite the circumstances. True worship lifts up God despite the circumstances. Listen to this. Remember, Job was just given permission to sift. The hedge was just pulled back on all of the possessions. So Job, it says, uh, there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house, and there came a messenger to Job who said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside me and the Sabians fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants. You just lost all your oxen and the servants that watched over them. In verse 16, and while he was uh, saying that, yet, while he was yet speaking, another one came. The sheep and the servants watching over them were consumed and, and I have escaped alone to tell you. And verse 17, uh, now he's lost both his oxen, his donkeys and his sheep. Verse 17, while you were speaking, there came yet another. The Chaldeans have formed three groups, made a raid on the camels. They took and struck down the servants with the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. He's lost his oxen, his donkeys. He's lost his sheep. He's lost his camels. He's lost animals. And uh, while he's losing his wealth, and that hurts, then the unthinkable Verse 18, while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, your sons, your daughters, they were eating and drinking in the oldest brother's house and behold, a great wind came. Look, I think it's amazing. Two things to note here. Uh, yes, he lost pretty much everything he cherished except his wife and uh, and he's got to work through that. Check out what was said here, back in verse 16. While he was speaking, another one came to him and said, The fire of God fell from heaven. How, how unfair is that? God's like, I didn't do it! Right? But let's process this at another level. Remember, God did say, This I allow. And there is a rightness to saying everything is underneath God's hand. Remember, we looked at it in Isaiah 45. Our God is sovereign. If you weren't with us, go back and check it. Uh, be in awe of his sovereignty back in December. Watch out in Isaiah 45. Both the good and the calamity goes through God's hand. And the good God's doing and the calamity God's choosing to allow for a purpose. And so the fire, yes, it's from Satan. And yes, it's of God because it's allowed. All right? Process your sovereignty correctly. Remember we talked about that. Don't lose a sight of the fact that God is over it all. And, uh, and then the, third, or the second point here about the stuff used. Um, yes, he stirred people to go against and hurt. 
Satan. He's stirring people and he's bringing fire from heaven in some way. And, and then the last one is he brings a great wind that came across the wilderness or the desert. Satan does have control in some level as little G God of this world over the earthly things. But God's got control of it all. You hear me? Everything's in his hand. And Satan doesn't do anything but where God said this, I allow for a moment and I'm going to be working with it. Trust him with all you've got. I can't even imagine the sound of hearing your ten children. Um, I know when my sister was 20 and I was 23 and I had gone up to Northwestern University on a weekend because uh, she was over at the hospital there, Northwestern Hospital. And uh, I walked in with my backpack thinking I was going to do homework for the weekend and my mom stepped up to me and said, the doctors have declared your sister is now um, brain dead. I still can't say those words well. And, and I dropped the backpack. That was not a plan thing. It's not like, let's do something dramatic. And like that just happened. Your whole body just goes, you're kidding me. It takes it out of you. You can't explain it. And, and there was a tough moment as our family wrestled with the loss of my sister. And in the next 24 hours, there was a battle that was fought. But it, Stephanie's at home celebrating in heaven with Jesus Christ. She loved the Lord with all her passion, and she attended Moody at the time. And, and uh, God chose to call her home in that moment. And I can tell you those moments of devastation uh, we can't ahead of time be preparing for them. We have to let God prepare us. Remember we said last week, his grace is sufficient and his grace will be there for the day you need it, not for the next week when you'll need it. And so let him build in you. God's at work and he's building in you something. And whatever comes your way, he's got it and he's growing you and he's got a purpose and some of the things we will not understand, maybe ever, maybe just this side of heaven. And we have to say, Lord, I trust you in this. I don't understand this moment. But I will not let my worship be stolen from you. You I worship. In the devastation, in the breath being taken away. Verse 20, Job arose. He tore his robe. He shaved his head and he fell on the ground. Every one of those, any one of us would do, love God or not. Stand up, freak out, tear your clothes, shave your head to make a public statement of grieving, drop on the ground in utter dis display of nothing left in me energy. We'd all do that. And he worshiped. Let that settle. Uh, that was more than a pinky being smashed. That was more than a little bit of physical struggle or a confusion over why God gave me these classes in school or why that teacher or why doesn't this person like me or, or what's going on with my children and their bad decisions or God, why did you take some of our possessions or my job or Lord, what are you doing in our lives right now with the physical? It's devastating or 
We've just lost loved ones from this world. And in the midst of that, times 10, Job, 10 kids, all possessions. And he falls on the ground and he worships. What would he have been saying? What could have been his insight in his heart? And God's merciful enough to tell us. And he said, Naked I have come from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. My God rules this world, and nothing will steal my worship from him. He gave me everything I had, and it's all his. And if he chooses to take it back right now, so be it. He's my God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No matter what's going on, good or bad, giving or taking, Lord, you've got a plan, and I'm trusting you with it, and I'm leaning on you for it. And God, every part of me wants to rebel in this moment, and I'm stopping where I am, and I'm saying, not me, you. May you be glorified with all I've got. Him for me. And that's enough. Him for me. And for that alone I worship Him with all I have. My Savior rules. And I point to Him. And I worship Him. Whatever comes. Worship. Not for profit. For God's glory. That He might be shown off. That's some serious worship. Amen? What other godly word can we say but amen, right? That is so where we need to be. Lord, I want to worship you. Lord, I want to worship you. And I know I need to grow in some things, but Lord, I want to worship you no matter what the cost. That needs to be our battle cry. Lord, I want to worship you. Whether you're giving or you're taking, I want to worship you. Are you ready to be there? Are you ready to be there with me? Think about it. I want to tell you something. Right now, there is huge worship going on in this building and with people in this building on a repeated basis. And I do believe that Satan is also saying, let me sift them. Let me test their worship. Let us make sure that our fist is being shaken in the correct direction and our worship is being given where it should. Lord, I worship you with all I've got. I worship you. I worship you. Just say it with me. Say it to him as a prayer. Lord, I worship you. Say it with all you've got. I worship you bigger I worship you more and with all you've got. I worship you. Lord, we are praying to you. You are our king and we worship you. Let's pray.